Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. In this series called Extraordinary, it's about ordinary people, you and I, ordinary people. But when we are filled with the Spirit of God, we become extraordinary. It's like uh, we're natural, but we also become supernatural. And so um, let's, let's do this. Let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. I'm going to read about the first three verses, and then we'll kind of talk about it, and then I'll read a little more. But, um, you know, nobody likes, I, well, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't like uh, being told no when, that, when it comes to something that I really want. Um, there have been times in life, man, that I've wanted something so badly, and, um, and you know, it didn't come to pass. I remember when we first started the church, we were in my home, uh, Shay and I and a few other people, we, we met uh, in our home for a while. We lived in Loxley at the time, and we were outgrowing our house. It was getting to the place um, where, man, my neighbors were just irritated at us because every Sunday I would get the guy across the street would, would just give me, you know, where the devil lives about um, us parking on his lawn. And I'm like, dude, it's on the side of the street. It's the right of way. You know, we're not hurting anything, uh, but he would just give it to us. And we started looking, branching out. This was a time in uh, Baldwin County history where there was very little real estate, very little commercial real estate. And uh, so we looked at a few places. We were looking at this one particular place, and, and uh, uh, we were going to have to do just a little bit of build-out. And it was right, uh, like, almost down right past Target uh, in a business center. And I thought, man, this is it. It seemed to be a great price. It was, you know, it just seemed like to be our first step. And um, I went and met with the guy, you know, we, we were ready to put a down payment down and, and everything, first month's rent, all of this. Uh, I talked to him about, you know, hey, when we move in here, we're going to have to do a, can we put a little wall here? We've got professional contractors, that kind of thing. Everything was, yeah, man, great. You can do that. On the day that I was going to sign the lease, I showed up and, uh, this, this man who owns the place, you know, now granted, I am not a young, uh, uh, I'm not a little kid. I'm 39 years old when, when the church, uh, uh, yeah, it feels young now, you know, but, but 39, you know, come on. You, when you're 39, you're not a youngin anymore. You're not, you're not a little boy. Um, and that's what I'm trying to, to get to. When I showed up, this guy is talking to me like I'm a 14-year-old. And I'm like, dude, I'm a businessman. I'm fixing to enter into a, a, a multi-year contract with you. And you told me we could do these things. And all of a sudden, you're changing the story. And you, you're, you're not going to let us put the wall up? And, uh, I mean, we're talking one wall. This is If you own a commercial building, and I don't know if anybody is in here ever, ever own a commercial building. In a commercial setting, you always tearing down a wall, putting up a wall, moving a wall, repainting, all kinds of stuff because every tenant is different. And so when I go in and I'm like, dude, it's one wall, one wall. We're going to pay for it. We're not even asking you to pay for it. We will pay for it. And he says, uh, yeah, if I do that for you, I'm going to have to do it for everybody. Yeah, right. Exactly. You are a businessman. You should know these things. And so uh, he, he becomes irritated with me. I ain't feeling good about this, Jack. You know, because we're giving you money. Yes, you're, we're getting something in return for it, but we are going, we're fixing to, to, to dish out for you. And he looked at me and he said, uh, I said, well, this is not going to work for us as a church. And he said, well, son, this isn't a church. Oh, you just made me mad now. 
You know, because I ain't your son and I'm not a little boy. You need to, you want to be respected as a businessman? Respect me as a businessman. You know, respect me as a partner, as a, as a future client. And when he said, son, well, this isn't a church. I promise you, I promise you. It's like I heard God saying, son, this isn't a church. But it was different. This guy, I was irritated with him calling me son, this isn't a church. And over here with God saying it, I was like, he said, son, this isn't a church. And I heard God say, and so what I did, I, and I said, um, when he said, this isn't a church, I said, you're exactly right. This is not right for us. I stood up from the table and I started walking out the door and I thanked him for his time. And he said, hang on a second. We, we can do the wall if you want to. And I said, no, thank you, sir. Have a great day. And I walked out. I was so angry, not at him, at God. I was a little mad at him, but I was really angry at God. Because I'm like, I don't know what to do, God. These people are about to run me out of my neighborhood. I, I don't know what to do. We're outgrowing the house. And there's no property anywhere. I don't know what to do. I'm furious at God. And I'm just, I remember the place I was. I was driving down 64, uh, headed east, back to Loxley, um, passing Target. And I was just angry at God. Later that day, about five o'clock, I get a call and somebody tells me, hey, I know you're looking for a church place, a place for your church to meet. There's a place on uh, 60 uh, or 98 and um, that church is getting ready to move out of there. And I'm like, where, where on 98? I don't know. I'm, I'm irritated. Now I'm irritated at her and she's trying to help me out. You know, and I'm like, where? There's no church there. I drive by there every day, and there's not a church there. And they're like, yeah, right there between the oil lube and the tire shop. <laughs> Stuck right in there. And so we went there. We looked at it. And I mean, in no time, God opened up so many doors for us to get that building. And we were there for, for uh, 10 years in that location. And so, you know, I've had other times in my life where God has told me no. I've had... People tell me no. And it's not a good feeling when your heart is invested in it. That's why you should never let your heart get so invested. Uh, Giselle and I have spent many, many times uh, as, as uh, in part of our church's business called the Talenton Group, uh, where you know, we invest in some rental properties for the church. Uh, we've gone into houses and I'm like, oh, I really want this house. Like, this is an incredible house. Well, guess what? There's 50 other people in Baldwin County saying, I want that house. And, you know, Giselle and I, we would have these conversations, and it would be never get, get too attached to any of, of these properties. You know, we need the God properties. We don't just need a property. And so uh, that's a very valuable lesson when it comes to know. I don't know if you've ever had a situation in your life. If you're human and breathing, you probably have had situations where you really wanted it badly and it didn't happen for you. And how you respond is really important. And so I want us to look at how David responded uh, to a time when he was told no. Um, so let me give you a little context of, of where we're going here with David. David is the little shepherd boy who uh, was chosen to be king. Uh, he, he, he's, he's just now coming into his kingship. Uh, the former king, who was chosen by the people and not by God, has been killed in battle. His three sons have been killed in battle. And there's a period of time in between there. And now um, David has been chosen uh, by the people. Just because God chooses you doesn't mean that you have the uh, favor of the people. You know, we need that anointing of God on us like Jesus had, where it says, and Jesus grew in stat wisdom and stature uh, with both God and man. Uh, you, you need both of those. You want both of those. And so now David is coming into uh, his season of favor with people. And he, begin, uh, he, he is coronated, or I don't know how you say that, his coronation. He's crowned the king of Israel. 
And so it's moved to this season of fighting and warring uh, and, and um, all of these really, really hard times where uh, he's been out on the battlefield and now he's in the palace. Uh, so he's become king, and it's a, it's, a, it's a really beautiful season. It's an easy season for him. There's no battles on the field right now, man. Uh, the cooking is good. He's getting that good palace food. He's living in a palace and not camping out in the backwoods or in the cave of the Dullum. You know, he's, he's got it made, man. And uh, he, it's almost like he's finally arrived at what God chose him for. And so in verse 1, chapter 7 of 2 Samuel, it says that when King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all of the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. And he said, look, David said, I'm living in this beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Well, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind for the Lord is with you. He said, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind for the Lord is with you. All right, let me just stop right there. So look at what Nathan uh, says to him. He says, go ahead, do whatever you have in mind because God's with you. He's been with you on the battlefield. He's been with you in the pasture when you were out there tending the sheep. It's like, man, it's evident God's hand is on you. He was with you with Goliath. He's been with you in all of these battles. There's no doubt. There's plenty of evidence that God is with you. So if God is with you, man, you've got his favor. Whatever you want to do, you go ahead and do it. David, in his mind, his heart is for the Lord. Remember, David, a man after God's own heart, his heart is for the Lord. And he's in there thinking, man, I'm living in this beautiful palace, probably couldn't even count the number of rooms that it had in it. I'm eating this incredible food. I am so comfortable. It's just so beautiful. And he's, you know, he's probably looking up, laying in bed, looking at these beautiful cedar beams coming up and thinking, man, while I'm in here, the Ark of the Covenant of God is out in a tent, the tabernacle. Now, it's still, they're still in that uh, mosaic period where Moses built the tabernacle and everywhere they went in the wilderness, remember those 40 years that they were wandering around? They got to tear the tent down. They got to go wherever they camp. They set it back up. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God is in the most holy place. And in the Old Testament, this is pre-Jesus, everywhere that God manifested his presence, the Ark was was the center of his presence. It was, it was just this holy um, thing that the, that the Lord, uh, it was, you, so you get what I'm saying. This is, this is the manifest, visible I- expression of God in the earth. Like, almost like Jesus is in the New Testament, but they didn't have that. So this is God's presence. Wherever the ark was, and I don't know, in, in here somewhere, we're going we're gonna to learn about the ark uh, a little more. But wherever that ark is, it's a symbol that God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. We have the favor of God with us. And so he is sitting there thinking about it. And he's like, man, I shouldn't be living in a better house. I should not be living in a better house than God lives in, you know. It, that, he's thinking with this little little natural mind, like God, God, you can make a house for God. God can't live in a house. He can't live in a box. You know, it amazes me that supernaturally he cannot be contained. Yet he lives in our heart, in in, in a, our not not your physical heart, but in our heart, meaning emotionally, spiritually, uh, soulishly. And so he's thinking about building something for the Lord to house the presence of God in, all right? So I want to share this with you. A good idea is not necessarily a God idea. I want to say it again. A good, this is a good thing. Him building a temple for the Lord, that's a good thing. Like, why, God, would you not want that? It's a good thing. 
But just because something is a good thing, a good plan, a good idea, it does not mean that it is necessarily a God idea. And as we talk through this this morning, I want you to to watch how David interacts with God and God interacts with David. So let's look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7 and pick it up right there at verse 4. All right. So, but that same night, the same night uh, uh, where David and him had this discussion, that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, the prophet, go and tell my servant, David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? Have I never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day? I have always moved from one place to another in a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. No matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go to my servant David and and, and say, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. Uh Uh-oh, it's getting serious. Like he's saying to Nathan, listen, have I ever, you know, I've never done that. So I want you to go and I don't want you to just say it. I want you to declare it. Saying something and declaring something is different. You know what? Saying something and declaring something is different. Declaring something is you are making a statement. You are making an emphatic statement. That is imperative. And he said, I want you to go to David and declare this. He said, I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have destroyed all of your enemies before your eyes. I will now make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people, Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed the judges to rule my people, Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, oh, we got to stop there for, for a second. All right. So what he's saying so far is he's like, I want you to declare this. And I'm like, Dude, if you've been reading with me and you've been soaking that in, it's like, uh uh-oh, there's been a shift. There has been a shift. I don't know about y'all, but I love it when shift happens. I love it when something changes for the better. I love that. And what has happened, he said, you've been in a place of warring and fighting and battling and people trying to kill you and people rejecting you, but all that's about to change, friend. And there is a shift and the times are looking good. And then he gets down there and he says, furthermore, you know whose name I hear if my mom's watching today? You know whose name I hear? I hear Betty Jean Stewart, when she's declaring stuff to me as a little one, she'll be like, I'm telling you what, and blah, 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 and she's declaring it, man. She's just declaring it, and she's like, and, and another thing, you know what that is? That is, and furthermore, that's what God is saying. He's saying, and another thing. You think, oh, that's amazing. Get this, get this. He says, and furthermore, The Lord declares that he will make a house for you. You ain't going to make me a house. I'm going to make you a house. A dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants from your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. So he's talking about uh, David's offspring, his son Solomon. He's saying, I will, I, I will be his father and he will be my son. And if he sins, I will correct him and discipline him with the rod. Listen, he, he did not correct Saul. 
He removed his presence from Saul. He's saying, I'm not going to act like this with this one. I'm not going to treat him because he's, got, he's going to have a different heart. He's going to have the heart of his father, David. And so I'm going to deal with this one. If he gets out of line, and we know he did a lot of times, he said, I'm going to discipline him. I'm going to chastise him and bring him back into alignment like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be established forever. Verse 17 says, And so Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. Man, I'm telling you, that's a powerful encounter. You know, Nathan, he just gave him the go. He, he just uh, certified the blueprints for the, for the new temple. And now he's got to go back after a night of being uh, visited and visioned from the Lord. He's got to go back to him and say, hey, man, about those blueprints that I approved yesterday. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, pull the CO. You're not going to, uh, the certificate of occupancy. You ain't going to be able to get it, start that. You ain't even got a permit. You're not going to have a CO for it. And, and, and it's a whole new deal. And I'm here to tell you what the new deal is. And so he goes back and he tells, he tells David this. And I, I just want to point a, a, a few things out for you. Because as you look at God's plan for David, you can look at this prophetically as us. Because we are his subjects. We are his servants. Just like David's a servant, we are a servant. And some people, you know, listen, we don't believe like that at this church. If you want to believe like this that I'm fixing to tell you about, you can go someplace else. But we don't believe like that at this church. And by that, I mean, we don't believe these are are make-believe stories. We don't believe they're metaphoric. Uh, We don't believe they're allegorical. We believe, dude, this stuff really happened. Uh, King David, you can go to his tomb in Israel. I've stood outside of it myself with my wife. These are real life historical people. And so what happens is we look at these people and we we believe prophetically as God has promised that to David, he promises it to us just like we are under the better covenant of Jesus Christ. Just like we are under the covenant of Abraham. We believe that this covenant that he is making with David, this is a covenant that he is making with David. A covenant that says your, your, your line will be established forever. And so let's look at God's plan for not just David, but for us. Number one, he, he positioned you. God positioned David. He said, boy, I took you out of the pasture and I was the one who put you in the palace. I was out there with you in the field and now I'm I'm with you in the palace. He said, I strategically positioned you. And God, when we begin to get into that place of where, God, where are you positioning me? I'm telling you what, man, you need to change your mind about what God is doing in your life and partner with his plan for your life. God doesn't have a plan that he's going to force you and me into. We partner with him. He has a part of opening doors and we have a part of walking through doors. And so there's this partnership that we are in with God. Listen, a lot of you, we saw students up here. We saw older uh, young adults that are going into college and everything and, and finishing their degrees. Can I tell you, you should not be looking for the career that makes you the most money. That is, that is not the goal. While y'all get your praise together, I'm going to drink a drink of water. You shouldn't be seeking the highest paying job. I certainly didn't do that. I'm, I'm not, that no slam against the church and my salary. I didn't do that. If I wanted to get rich, this is not the place to do it. I, I should have gone into something else. But I know people who went into something else that were called to ministry. I know people that are are out in the business world that they should be in the church. And I know people in the church ministering as pastors that you shouldn't be there. You should be out in the business world because you're a king and not a priest. Y'all don't hear me, man. 
Like you got to make sure you know where you're supposed to be if you want the anointing of God to be upon your life. And you've got to seek out, God, where am I supposed to be? I know people, not personally, I, I have never, to my knowledge, well, yeah, I have met a few, um, but, but I don't think their mind was in the right place. I don't think their heart was in the right place because there was this spirit of confusion around them. So I'm just trying to clarify something I just said that I didn't know anybody. I was going to say, I, I don't know these people personally, but I know people who have moved to places where God led them to that place. They didn't get a medical degree and then go, well, you know, Seattle's really a good open market for, uh, I don't know, obstetricians right now. I think I'm going to move there. It's really lucrative in that field. What they did is they moved to that area because God led them, and they're like, we're going to find our vocation in that area. I, I just spoke to a lady in uh, Joplin, Missouri this week. And she's, you know, she's at this um, ministry that's helped fighting poverty in the inner city. And she said, I'm asking her, we're asking all these questions, trying to learn as much as we can from this ministry. And I said, so what kind of um, skills do you have for what you do? Uh, here at the ministry, and she's on. She's intake, and she handles lots of you know screenings and stuff like that of the people that come into their ministry. And she said, "I'm actually an audiologist by profession. Like she's a doctor in audiology by profession, and she's at a homeless slash poverty center doing intake." Because God spoke to her to be part of that ministry in that region. And she's like, I went to school for this, but this is what God. So, you know, she, she finally got it right. And she's flourishing there. But God, when he has a plan for us, he positions us. So find out, what God, where do you want me? And so many people are trying to do it the opposite way. They're just trying to get jobs. I'm telling you what, if you're just trying to get a job to put bacon on your table, that's going to be a miserable experience for you. You need to find where the Lord wants you and then begin to pursue that. And I promise you, you will begin to flourish. Not only that, he says, God says to David, he said, I've, I've destroyed your enemies. I've destroyed them. Oh, they still may be walking around, but I've destroyed them. Why? Because their backstabbing, lying methods, I'm, they've lost their influence. I've killed their influence. Oh, they might still have influence with a few people, birds of a feather flock together kind of thing, but I've, I've destroyed their influence. I've killed their influence. I've destroyed your enemy. Why? Listen to me. The scripture says that no weapon formed against me, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And if the enemy uses you as a weapon against somebody else, I'm telling you, Oh, my God in heaven, that if you get the gravity of that, bro, you don't need to be fighting against anybody. You do not need to be anybody's adversary, especially somebody in a spiritual position. And I'm not saying that to be self-aggrandizing or self-serving. I'm saying you and I should not be warring against the body of Christ. Why? Because the, the enemy is using me as a weapon formed against another brother in Christ. Are you kidding me? me because when that happens that weapon me are you following me me I'm the weapon you being used by the enemy I will not prosper <sighs> mic drop dude that is so powerful I want to prosper I don't know about you, but I want to prosper. That's when I lay down my head at night. I might be dealing with hurt or whatever that I have to work through, but I'm telling you, there's not a person on this planet that I have not tried to work things out with if we are ever in a place of opposition. Never, because I don't want that on my head. I don't want the Lord uh, th that to mess up my heart, and I do not want to be used as a weapon against somebody. Because that weapon, me, will not prosper. So he says, I've destroyed your enemies. Some, some of y'all ought to shout. 
Some of you ought to shout because you, whatever your enemies are, whatever that looks like, the enemy says he's destroyed them. This next thing, he says, I will make your name famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. Listen, I'm telling you what, listen, 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 because if you don't listen to these, I ain't up here just talking for the fun of it. I'm up here because I have a word from the Lord and this, this word is for you. You can take it or leave it, but I promise you, if you take it and pull it close to your bosom and you hold it close and you, you impart this to yourself, you will prosper. He says he will make your name famous. Man, have you heard? Uh, man, I need this. I, y'all, anybody know who could work on a transmission? I can tell you. I know this old boy. He works over there on the other side of 98. What's he doing? He's making your name famous. Are you following me? Listen, I need a real estate agent. Well, I can tell you a few good ones. What, it, what is the Lord doing? Making their name famous. I don't know about you, but uh, I, don't, I don't want anybody to, to, my name to come up in it. And it's like, man, you need to stay away from that, you know, cuckoo, luku, loco dude. Stay away from that, that jack. I, the Lord will make your name famous. And I want him to make my name famous. I hear the Lord saying that he is getting ready as you draw close to him, as you align yourself with him, God is getting ready to make your name famous in places where people have not heard your name. Your name is going to be brought before people. See, we look at the scripture and we're like, we're going to be like, uh, you know, Billy Ray, whoever, whoever, or uh, uh, I, I don't even know singers nowadays. What's one of them? Well, whatever he is, you know, some of these guys, you know, he, he, the Lord, we think the Lord is going to give us this national platform. You know, let's just like take me, for instance, take me, for instance, like, man, you're going to make my name famous, God. I want to be another, you know, uh, I don't know, Billy Graham. I'm going to be another, you know, not, no, 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 not necessarily. God already made a Billy Graham. And he had a purpose for Billy Graham. God will make your name famous for what your name needs to be made famous for. And so we don't, we don't go looking for the fame. God says, I make your name famous. You don't make your name famous. So what God will do is he will say, I'm going to make your name well known. I'm going to put your name before the people that I need you to influence and who can bless you, who, who can pour into you and you can pour into them. So I don't know about you if that excites you, but I'm like, God, put my name out there. Put my name in the circles where I need to be known. Put my name in the mouths of people of influence. Put my name in the mouths of people who can help me grow and, and, and not just give me stuff. Like, you know, we live in a consumeristic uh, time where it's like, you know, make my name famous, man, so I can get me some, get me some, get me some, you know. No, 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 no. It's like, Put, put my name in front of people that, that, I, that, that will be mentors to me. Like, put my name in front of folks that they will say, uh, man, how in the world did I get this opportunity to sit at the feet of this, this guy and be discipled? Put my name in front of people where I can grow and become sharper as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another. Not only does he do this, but he secures you in a safe place. He said, David, he said, tell David, I'm going to put him in, in, in a homeland, a homeland, a safe place, a secure place, God is about to move you, re-fit uh, you. I don't know what, you do, what they call it uh, when they got to reset a post. You know, you ever had a post and it's just all wobbly and... Is that what they call it, Tim? Resetting a post? You got to reset it? Like I've had those fence posts and it's like, man, the fence is just kind of sagging. The it, wind comes and it wobbles all over the place. And you go out there and you have to reset that post. You got to put some, uh, some foundation around it, some cement down in there. God is about to do this for some folks. He's about to say to you, I'm bringing you into a place of security of safety where you, you haven't felt safe. I don't know if you've never felt safe in a place. 
And, and I don't mean physical harm. There are times when I don't feel safe around people I, because of the words I hear coming out of their mouth. I, I, oh, man, you've been so opinionated. Uh, and, and I'm sorry if that hurts y'all's feelings. But, man, you're so opinionated. You put your opinions so out there, like, all the time. And I'm like, uh-uh. I'm, I'm scared to talk to you about any of my personal stuff. Are you following me? I have not felt secure. But I'm telling you what, this is a secure house at least for headship. I cannot speak for every single person in this house how secure you are. Because I know people don't know the uh, meaning of confidentiality anymore. But I'm telling you what, if you, if you and I have the conversation, it's going to be right here in this little box. It's going to be right here. Why? Because we need a safe place. We need a safe place. There are so many people in the body of Christ that they are hiding in secret sin. They are hiding in shame. They're hiding in condemnation. They're hiding in, in, uh, in, in own self-loathing. And they cannot share it with anybody because they don't feel safe. They, they feel like they will be judged. And I want to commend uh, Suzanne and I want to, uh, uh, Murray, and I want to commend Cheryl for having the women uh, this past week and talking about this, these hard topics of loving outside of your comfort zone. Man, I'm telling you what, the church, if we can ever get a hold of that message, the church is going to explode. It's not going to explode with a bunch of religious people, but it's going to explode with a bunch of folks who need Jesus. If we could ever get to that place. Because people need to feel safe. They, it doesn't mean that you come here and you stay that way. It means that you come here and that you'll, you, you, you'll at least have the, the ability to hear the message and the voice of God and love and compassion without being ticked off, offended, and judged the first time you come. The first time you come. I hope to God nobody ever does that at Destiny. It's such a sad thing when you hear people say, uh, I mean, these are real stories. When you hear people say, they asked me to leave because of how I was dressed. Man, that's us. Uh, Let me get off of that. He said, I'm giving you a secure place. I am settling you. I'm settling you in a place where you will flourish. You've been fighting long enough, David. You've been fighting enough, uh, long enough, friends. You've been in plenty of battles, but the Lord has destroyed your enemy. He's making your name famous, and he's securing you in a safe place. He says, I'm going to give you rest from all your enemies. I don't know about you, but fighting is, a, is exhausting. Fighting is exhausting. And I'm not just talking about, you know, like, I am, I'm a lover, not a fighter, in the words of Michael Jackson. You know what I'm saying? I truly am. I'd rather, can we not just love? I hate when people fight. I hated it in my home. We don't do it because I hate it with us. And, you know, he says, I'm giving you a rest from that. You are worn down. You've been in enough battles out on the battlefield, but you've been in enough battles with rejection. I'm giving you a rest from all of that. This is a secure place. You are getting ready to come into a season of rest. Somebody needs to go, man, I need some rest. I don't know about you, but I need some rest, Lord. I need some rest. Thank you, Jesus, that this word is speaking prophetically to me. I don't know if anybody out there is getting blessed by this, but I'm blessing myself. The word is blessing me, God. I thank you for rest. And then he says, I will give you, mm, Jesus, a holy heritage. He said, out of your very loins, out of your very family. He's talking about um, uh, Solomon. He said, you're not going to build the temple. Your son is going to build the temple. I got another job for you. You're not going to do that. No, the answer answer is no, you're not going to do that. He says, I'm going to, out of your lineage, I'm going to raise up a holy heritage. Now, I don't have enough time for this. If we were in another setting, I could maybe dive deep into this, but he's, he's talking practically and prophetically here to David. He says, practically, your son is going to be the one to, to, uh, to raise the temple up. But he's, 
prophetically talking about Jesus. And he says, your line will last forever. And I don't know the king. Uh, it was Ze- I, Don't hold me to this and don't call me a false prophet if I get it wrong. But it's something like Zedekiah. You know, all of them are Zedekiah, Udekiah, Hidekiah, you know, all of that. But I think it's Zedekiah because what happens, listen to me, this, oh my God, this ought to get you excited. What happens is King David is hearing a prophetic word. Listen, this ought to make you happy. It's going to come into play here in a minute and you're going to get it. He says, I am going to establish your throne forever and I'm giving you a holy heritage. Well, David's hearing this practically, but there's also a prophetical uh, uh, component to this. Well, somewhere down the line, one of his descendants, and I think it's Zedekiah. Don't hold me to that. Go study it out yourself. Zedekiah screws up and he falls and the kingdom is lost. Uh Uh-oh, what happens? Now you've got all of these many, 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 many hundreds of years that Israel is not in power. Are you following me? What happened? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, God was wrong. God missed it. God never misses it, my friend. I'm telling you, if, if it looks like it's messed up, we need to press into God. We need to begin to declare those things uh, that are not as though they were, as the scripture says. Because a lot of times, we'll have a prophetic word, and what happens is all of a sudden it goes south. Are you following me? It goes south, and you're like, God, where are you? I don't know. Man, y'all ain't never had, y'all have the easiest life in the world. I'm just telling you, because y'all look like you ain't got any problems. I don't hear nobody going, oh, pastor, come on, man. You, you, know, I, you know that's us. You know I had that. Listen, I have had situations in my life where I'm like, I'm literally wondering, is this whole church declaration, word of God, is this even, what if I get to the end of my life and there's nothing? What if I get, I preach this my whole life, my educational career, I, I, I poured it all into this. What if it's nothing and all of this, I've had seasons in my life where it wasn't going my way. There's still things in my life. Listen to me right here. There's stuff in my life that I'm going, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you, why have you abandoned me in Shay? Why have you done this to us, God? You feel that? <laughs> Where are you? I've had people speak prophetic words over me about things, about my children. And, I'm, I'm, and I don't mean to make my children sound, you know, like when, we, when pastors, you know, we preach a little bit and you give a little bit of detail and everybody starts going, Painting, painting in watercolors, you know. But I, I'm like, God, those prophetic words, were, were they real? Was that it? Were you, was that you? Because it doesn't look like it. Because it certainly looks like the devil's winning. Where, where, where are you in this situation? I've been in those seasons with the church. But listen to me. Along comes little baby Jesus. And if you read in Matthew chapter 1, or I think it's Luke chap- and Luke chapter 2. Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, it says, and in the city of David is born this day. He, it calls Jesus the son of David. Why does it do that? Well, if you go back to Matthew chapter 1, you got all of the lineage. And man, it's like, oh my God, you're just so bored reading it. And it's like, and Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac, and Zadok, and Zadok, and Padok, and Isaiah, you know, and it's going down the line, and then, it, and, and David, and Jesse begat David, and David, David begat Solomon, Absalom, all these, and it gets down to it. What, why is it doing that? It is doing it to remind the reader, i.e., you and me. He's doing it to remind the reader. Hey, you remember back in 2 Samuel chapter 7 when I said, I will establish his throne forever? I'm just letting you know. Hey, one of David's descendants is about to take the throne. But it's not the throne of Israel. It's the throne of the kingdom of God. And it will last forever. What? 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all good and religious and spiritual. And I get a little bit of tingly when you say it. What does it mean in the practical? Listen, I'm telling you what. If that's a prophetic word to David and we're taking it as a prophetic word to us, listen, He's given you a royal line, a royal heritage. And 
it might look like the king has fallen off the throne and the kingdom has been lost. It might look like there's no holy leadership happening there and there's no, there's no uh, realm of spirituality, but there is a savior coming. Do you hear what I'm saying? There is a savior coming for our family. There is a savior coming for your family. There's a savior coming in your situation. And there are many of us who... Throughout history of my life, I've had people in my family and I've said, surely God can't save my sister. Anybody ever thought that? God can't save her. She's so far gone into drugs and meth and opioids. Uh, she, she's a sweet girl, but she's so far gone. God will never save her. Not that he doesn't want to, but he can't save her. She is so far away from God. But can I tell you, there came a day when she walked down the altar with her Budweiser shirt on. And she took right there at the altar, gave her life to the Lord. And, and you know, and unfortunately, she died at a very early age because she had already done so much damage to her body but she is in heaven today with the king of kings why because somebody prayed for her why because somebody believed for her I'm not saying it was me because I didn't but somebody did and somebody called her name and when you are calling the name of the Lord over your family members whoever they may be or over your friends I want to tell you that God has declared that we will have a holy line. And so this, this is something that you and I, we need to do on a regular basis. We need to make the declarations of God over our families, over our friends, as much as we can say it. Look at this. God, when he says no, he's not rejecting us. He's redirecting us. When God says no, he's not saying, you know, like he's not, there's no rejection in it. Now, look, last week I preached about David and his life of rejection. Can you imagine dealing with all the rejection? If you didn't hear it last week, you can go online and hear it. But can you imagine all of the rejection that he suffered and the very first to my knowledge, this is the very first official royal act that he's going to do. And it gets vetoed by the boss. Can you imagine like, wait, 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 wait. I thought I, thought I was sanctioned to be the, the head here of, of, of the kingdom. I thought, I thought you anointed me. I thought you appointed me. I thought you chose me. I thought you took me from the pastor to the palace. I, I, I don't understand. You know, what, what's going on here? My very first thing on the job, you know, I screwed it up. Like, what is this, man? Can you imagine the rejection that he could have felt? But God, when he says no, he's not always rejecting us. He's redirecting us into his perfect plan for our lives. When God says no, he's not just saying no. He's saying, I know best. Like, look at the scripture. I'm going to put it up in just a second. But I want to say this again because it's so good. When God says no, he's not just saying no. He's saying that I know best. Look at the scripture. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My thoughts, meaning God's, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What God is saying there is, you know, I mean, it's evident. He's saying, I don't think like you. I know more than you know. I see the plan from a whole different perspective than you do. Trust me. And David knew these scriptures well. All right. So uh, I, I, I want to give this to you. Listen, God's no means this. It means sometimes no. <laughs> sometimes that's just all it means. No. He has something better. No, that's not for you. I can remember when Shay and I first got out of college, I wanted to go to this church so bad I was fully in. We knew the pastor, not super personally, but we had very close friends, mutual friends and everything. And I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. Me and my youthful ignorance, I'm like, I'm a shoe in here. Like I got us, you know, I know, I know folks. My name is famous up in here. It wasn't as famous as I thought it was. And God said no. And I moved on and I ended up, uh, going to a church in South Georgia uh, to be on staff there. 
And years later, I saw the guy who took, uh, <laughs> listen to me saying, take, took, he took my place. Uh, it was never my place. But he, he got the, the ministry position that I didn't get. And I said, oh, I know who you are. He, he's like, hey, my name is. And I said, I know who you are. I said, you're the guy that took my job. I was supposed to be at that church. He's like, man, you didn't want to be at that church. He's like, I'm telling you what, brother, you better be glad you didn't go there. God, when he says no, sometimes he has something better in mind. Now, I'm just going to tell you, the church that he sent me to, it wasn't much better. (laughs) Shay and I ended up leaving there after 13 months, devastated in some ways. And I'm like, God, what did I learn there? What did I learn in that place? You remember we were like having these discussions and God said, I sent you here so you'd know what not to do. Like, don't treat people like that. Don't treat people like they're objects, money bags, servants, mules. Don't treat people like that. Treat people with honor and dignity. And I'm like, okay, it was worth it. When God says no, he sometimes means slow, just go slow. The timing may not be right. Go slow, slow down. When he says no, sometimes he means grow. Like, you're not ready for it. Like, I'm telling you, there are times in our life where we feel like we can handle it. Man, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. I'm just telling you, there are things that I have faced in my life that I'm so glad I, have not, I did not face them at an earlier time because it would have crushed me. I needed to grow. I needed to get, to get my legs strong. And I'm just telling you, y'all know some of my story because we church folks and we do life together. But there are times, like I'm telling you, if, if certain things had happened in my life that have happened to me in the last few years, I'm telling you, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm like, I, I don't even know who sings the song, but, I, you know, take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Because I'm serious. It... it I was not ready for that. I needed some growth. And even that period of my world helped me grow. All right, so let's look at this. Come play something, Stephen, so I can land the plane. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 18 through 29. And now we get to hear, how does David respond to this? How does David respond to God saying no? Because I'm just going to tell you, a lot of times when God says no to us, we get mad at God. We get angry at God. And I've had to work through some of my own anger issues with the Lord. I used to feel terrible about being angry with God. Now it doesn't bother me as much anymore. Because I'd be all like fake about it. And then, and then God's like, you know I see that, right? I see you pouting in secret. The people don't see it, but I see you. So I'm like, yes, God, I'm, I'm very upset with you right now. And he's like a loving father, man. He just talks you through it and begins to show if you'll listen to him. He just begins to show you. So let's see how David responds to this. Verse 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign God? And what is my family that you've brought me this far? Uh Uh-oh, can you tell the tone? It could have gone anyway. Like, like, let's read it again with a little bit of attitude. He's like, who am I to you, God? What what about my family? You know, that you brought me this far? You know, no, no, it's, it's not that tone. He's like, who am I, almighty God, that you have brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, like, you're sovereign. You're the one who makes the decision. Sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak like everything else. You brought me into this land. You made me the king. You know, you killed my enemies, defeated them. You've given me a place to rest. And on top of all that, he says, you give your servant a lasting dynasty. I love this. He said, do, do, do you treat everybody this way? He says, do you deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? Are you this good to everybody, God? What more can I say to you? You know your servant, circle servant, every time you hear it, every time you see it. If you've got a Bible, circle servant every time because that's important. 
He says, you know your servant. You know what your servant is really like, sovereign Lord. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. How great you are, O oh sovereign Lord. There is none, there is none like you. There's none like you. We've never even heard of another God like that. Who's like you? What kind of God are you? And he's saying, what other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O oh God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and you drove out the nations of, uh, and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever. And you, O oh Lord, became their God. And now, O oh Lord, I am your servant. I do as, you pr uh, do as you promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that will last forever. And may your name be honored forever. Thank you for saying no to me, God. Your, your name will be honored forever so that everyone will say the Lord of heaven's armies is God over Israel. And make the house of your servant David continue before you forever. Basically, just like you said, God, do it. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I've been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings, for you are God, O sovereign Lord. Your words are truth, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now it... May it please you to bless the house of your servant so that I may continue forever before you. For you have spoken. And when you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. Look at this real quick. What's David's response? David's response. If we are going to be, listen, if we are going to be partakers in the prophetic word of God, we have got to be participants in the prophetic response. Can I say it again? If we are going to be partakers of the prophetic promise, we have got to be participants in the prophetic response. All right, so how did David respond? This is how we should respond. I've told you the word, I've given you the word, and now you gotta figure out what you're gonna do with the word. You can do nothing if you want to, but if you do something, I promise you, God is gonna unfold some things in your life. What did David do? First of all, he was overwhelmed with gratitude. No I don't want you to do that. That's not my plan. I'm not going to let you do that. No, that's not happening. What? Are you kidding me, God? Oh, thank you. Thank you for all of your blessings, God. He's overwhelmed with gratitude. Listen, I want to challenge you. If you've had a no in your life recently, just start thanking God for all the things that he's done for you so far. Instead of belly aching, whining, and mully grubbing, thank God. For he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this. God, thank you for that. Y'all remember that series that we uh, did? I don't remember the title of it, but we talked about monuments. We talked about when God did something in Israel's history, they would pile up some rocks. And the people would go like, what happened there? Oh, man, you're not going to believe what happened here. What happened? And they would begin to say, oh, God, man, the, part, the Red Sea parted, the Jordan parted or whatever. That's what those rocks mean. We got to go back to our monuments. When God healed your daddy, when God uh, uh, saved you, when God provided the extra money for whatever, when God uh, gave you that job, uh, when you weren't really qualified for it, but he just opened some doors for you. We got to go back to those monuments and say, God, thank you for those. And then he realized, I serve God. God doesn't serve me. The reason I ask you to circle, underline, whatever, when he said servant, nine times he refers to himself as servant when he's in his response to the Lord. What he's saying is, God, I realize that you're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve you. Like I'm here to partner with you. And your blessing is what I get as my residual benefit because the Lord wants to bless us. As a matter of fact, he ends with a blessing. And then he says, he prophesied the promises of God. He prophesied the promises of God. 
I don't know if you've ever prophesied the promises of God over dark periods of your life. This church right now in this place is a is, is the manifestation, the Shekinah glory. People talk all the time about, man, I just want to see the Shekinah glory. That means manifestation, the physical presence of God. I want to see the Shekinah glory. Well, look around. This is it. This is a Shekinah manifestation of God's glory. Why? Because God spoke a prophetic word. I can't remember what year it was. 1997, something like that, something like that. Ten years later, that prophetic word came to pass. There are many times Shay and I, we transcribed that prophetic word. We got it out. We wondered if, God, if, if this was that guy who gave it to us was just, you know, loco. We wondered if, we, if he missed God. We wondered if we were out of God's alignment. We wondered if any of this prophetic stuff was even true. We would get it out. We would listen to it. We would read it. We typed it out. Shay typed it out, transcribed it. We had it on our refrigerator for years. What were we doing? We were prophesying the promises of God. We still do that. You give me a prophetic word, you're probably going to hear me say, can you write it down? If you came to me today and say, I have a word from the Lord for you, I'm going to say, I'm going to receive it and I want you to write it down and send it to me. I'm not going to write it down. You write it down. Or we'll get a recorder out and record it. But everybody who gives me words, I keep them. And I treasure them. And I have them in this little box at home. And I'll just pull them out from time to time. And I'll read them. And I'll be like, oh, I forgot about that. Ooh, that's going to be exciting. But I prophesy the promises of God over my life. I prophesy the promises of God. There are even times, if I'm going to be honest with you, there are times that I don't even believe it. Pastor Reif, can you unpack that? I can't today because we're out of time. But I will tell you this. I believe God is faithful and true to his word, whether you believe it or not, or I believe it or not. God watches over his word to perform it. That's what the scripture says. He's watching over his word to perform it, and he's just waiting for the time. Everything lines up and that I'm ready to receive. And that's why sometimes the promises are so amazing And the circumstances are so radically different. It's hard for me to believe. But I quote it anyway. I read it. I prophesy it anyway. That's what you and I need to do. This needs to be our response. I want to thank you for just listening and drinking in the word today. This is my prayer for you. Our prayer team is going to be down front. But this is my prayer for you today. My prayer for you is that the word of God that has gone forth in this house, that it won't fall on deaf ears, that it won't fall on the parable like Jesus said. Some fell on good ground, some fell by the wayside, some fell on hard ground. My prayer is that your heart would just be so hungry and rich that you go, God, I don't even know if I agree with some of that stuff he said or hyped up or whatever. I don't, but God, if, that, if that's you, If that's you, over and over in scripture, people said, if if it's really you, or if you truly can, they didn't even have faith and God did it for them. I hope that it falls on good ground for you. I hope that it births something in you.